week four of our series, Beginner's Guide to Predicting Your Future. And the whole idea is even inside the name of the series, is it possible to predict your future? And this isn't a uh, ask the eight ball, this isn't a crystal ball, this isn't some hocus pocus ridiculous thing. It's we look back to the word of God and we see there are patterns in our lives that if we really pay attention to the path we're on, we're going to be able to predict the future because the path you're on is the greatest indicator of the future of what you're creating even in uh, this moment. In fact, we've had this principle, and a principle is something that whether you apply it to yourself, it doesn't matter. It will apply itself to you. It's like the principle of what you reap you or, or what you sow, you will reap. You reap what you sow. That is a principle. Whether you apply it or not, it will apply itself to you. And this has been the principle of the path. And the path, the principle of the path simply says direction, not intention, determines destination. Say it out loud with me at all campuses. Direction, not intention, determines destination. I can want to have the best marriage, but in the meantime, I'm going to live for me. I can say, I'm going to retire with money in the bank, but in the meantime, let's spend it up on whatever, whenever, when no plan or no budget. And I want to promise you, the path you're on always trumps intention. Direction trumps intention every single time. Last week, we talked about how uh, the path to be avoided, we're all on a path. You're unique, but your path is not, and we're all on a path, and the path to be avoided is paved. The bedrock of that path to be avoided is paved with strong emotional appeal. Things that, that can divert us, things that are attractive to us, good things in and of themselves, but if we so focus on those emotionally appealing things, we end up seeing what other people, we don't see what other people can see in us, we end up doing things that we should not do that other people could would say why did you do that and we end up saying oh i didn't see that coming how could i have been so careless or stupid direction not intention determines destination now today to wrap up i want to talk about our tendency and this is a this is a common statement but this is just like this isn't a christian tendency this isn't a non-christian tendency this is a human like if you breathe this is a tendency and here, here's, what, here's what it is. We tend to overestimate the short term. We overestimate what we can do in a little bit of time. Eight-minute abs. <laughs> I invented the six-minute abs. You know, that, like, like, like we think we just in a shorter amount of time, that's so much. And you know what that is? That has strong emotional appeal. If I can do it faster, that's more appealing. Hello, fast food. Appealing. We overestimate what we can accomplish in the short term. And the other side of this is equally true. We underestimate the long term. We overestimate the short term. We underestimate the long term, being disciplined, going after it, steady, freddy, inch by inch. As my old professor in, in college for my master's program said, Jeremy, inch by inch, everything's a cinch. He's a professor from Carolina, inch by, balderdash. <laughs> anyway, I just, that's something else. He'd say, inch by inch, everything's a cinch. Yard by yard, everything's hard. And it's true. It's true. A little bit over time, uh, over amount of time, it's amazing what can happen. And so for your reflection for this week, I'd encourage you to write there on your fill-in-the-blanks that says, in one year, I could. And I want you to be realistic with one year, with 12 months, with 365 days, with 52 weeks, with 168 hours every week. What could you do in the short term, little bit by little bit? And then now I want you to think about in five years, if I've really underestimated the long term, what could I see happen in my life? Where could I be? What could be accomplished in five years? I wrote a few things down this morning thinking about, man, what could you accomplish in five years? And I wrote some positive things and, and some negative things. Here, here's some positive things. In five years, almost every single one of you could be fluent in another language if you dedicated your time to it. Whoa. Yep. See, one person is ready to speak Spanish. 
Just so you can learn with that woman on Home Alone when she says to Kevin, les incompetents. And you don't even know what it means. What does it mean? What is he saying to Kevin? Anyway, sorry. You can get that degree that you've been wanting to get. Five years, you know, a little night school, a little distance education, maybe just quitting everything and going full time. You, in, in, the degree in and of itself is not the end game, but where it could take you or the doors it might be able to open to you. We know now that, that degrees aren't always just like the only thing. It's something, but, but based on where you feel God is wanting you to go and what you want to accomplish in your life, in the next five years, it's amazing if you, if you really focused. You could, you could pick up a sport and become good at a sport. You know, you could, if you couldn't run it, do you know that probably every single one of you could walk a marathon? You could train up and you could walk a marathon uh, in, in five years. Some of you could do a half Ironman, an Ironman, you name it. You could do a triathlon. You could pick up chess. You could be the next Bobby Fischer in chess in five years. You know what? You could, uh, as, a, as, a, as a kid, your five-year-old, you could help them just start saving $1 a day. In five years, they'd have 1800 bucks. A 10-year-old, I got 1800 bucks. I'm rich. Like for the parent, you're like, 1800 bucks. Yeah, but it's going to go, but it's not going to go incredibly far. And then, you know, your 10-year-old puts that in his pocket and goes, shows his friends at school, and then he loses it on the recess playground. But it's five years, you never know. You know what? You could read 60 books in five years. I mean, you could become an expert in a certain field by reading and studying. That, you know what? That's, that's, that's one book a month. That's five or six pages a day. That's five or six minutes a day. Think about what you could do in five years. You could radically transform your soul and the spiritual landscape of your home if you dedicated yourself to putting God first in the next five years. Transformation could take place in your life. It can make, it, it can make a, a, a life-changing impact on people around you. You could read one chapter of the Old Testament, one chapter of the New Testament every single day. In the next five years, you'd read through the Bible three times. It's amazing what you can do in the long term. But you know what? You could also waste months of your life binge-watching television. You could go through the final stages in five years of a nasty divorce. You could become a full-blown alcoholic. But when someone now is saying, you may want to watch that, you may want to be careful, in five years it, it, it could be completely out of control. You, you, could, you could marry the right person, you, you could marry the wrong person um, in five years. And I want you to know that there's power in time. And here's where I am. Like in five years, I want you now to take an even bigger step and think about in 20 years I could. Now, for some of you, like in 20 years, I'm going to be in heaven. I'm in Beulah land in, 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 in 20, you know, or sooner. Hopefully Jesus comes back before then. That's, that's part of our belief that someday Jesus is coming back. And he could be coming back before then. But like maybe you want, but some of you are thinking 20 years, man, I, don't even, I can't even think that far. I'll, I'll be like, what? I'll be like, oh, I'll be 29. Oh. I'll be 34. I can't believe that. Like you think about, for me, when I was a teenager, 20 years seemed like forever. Now I'm like, where did the last 20 go? So in order to help us with this, here's what happened. I, I actually have done some research over the last few weeks because I knew this day was coming. And I have figured out a way that instead of telling you what 20 years might look like, I have figured out a way for all of us to go into the future. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going into the future 20 years today. I, I, I didn't find a DeLorean and I couldn't find a sterile hot tub. So... I found a time machine and I bought it off Craigslist from a guy named Slick Willie in Istanbul. And so you and I are going to go into the future 20 years. Let's go. Look at this thing. Look at this time machine. Slick Willie gave me a deal. He, he shipped it and everything. So, okay, we're going to deal with the flux capacitor. Hey, hey, you know, wish me luck. Actually, you know what? Don't wish me luck. This is church. We don't wish luck. Say a prayer. No, don't say a prayer because this is a skit. This isn't real. Okay. All right. 2039. Here we go. All right. Let's see what happens.
Whoa, that tickles. <laughs> Whoa! Did it, did it work? Oh, I think we blew the, oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, ah. Uh... Whoa, wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I don't feel different. Future me? Younger me? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, future me! <laughs> this is amazing. It is. Man! I look great. Considering what you started with? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll do the jokes, future me. Whoa! Man, I finally lost that weight I've been trying to lose. Yeah, not as much as you needed to, but yeah, <laughs> you're, right, you're okay, getting better. Okay. Well, the, the, the pattern of balding is a little different than I thought it was going to happen, but oh, it's okay. Well. It's still got some hair. It's still looking That's good. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your eyes need checked, but yeah. Okay, well, yeah. I see that I did never get that. I never got that LASIK surgery, so. No, and, but you haven't lost your sense of style. That's right. You know, it's very sad that in 20 years, I'm still wearing the exact same fashion. <laughs> Didn't quite think that one through, I don't think, but that's okay. That's all right. Yeah. We digress. Okay, so future me is here, and we're going to kind of shift gears here, and we could keep up with this the, the goofy farce, but for some of you that really truly think that just happened, this is a joke. This is my dad, okay? Uh, this is my dad. And a few months ago, uh, I gave him a call, said, Dad, hey, could you squeeze it into your schedule? I have this idea, uh, finishing this series on predicting your future, and I would love for you to come and share with our church uh, 20 years of experience that I just don't have as their pastor. And my dad comes from experience of uh, being ma married to the same woman, having just celebrated 40 years of marriage. Raised three kids who love Jesus, and all their grandkids love Jesus and are serving Jesus in the local church. All three of their kids, me, my brother, and my sister are all pastors in different churches of different sizes in different uh, cities. Uh, and, and now that's, that's unique. That's unique. And what I wanted to invite future me to come and do is from a perspective of, of 20 years into the future, uh, what are some best practices in fact, if we're going to prepare for the future you, I, I asked, you know, Dad, let's boil down. Just our, 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 we, we, could, we could spend all day. There's 150,000 things. Just read your word. Read the Bible. 7,000 promises you should be following in the word of God. But, but as you see it, um, in your perspective, in your experience, I, I wanted to, to invite Dad. I'm going to facilitate a conversation. Uh, he's going to lead, and we're going to give you about five key thoughts for preparing for the future you and maybe you don't have 20 years left but you do maybe you have a, a, a child or a grandchild or a great-grandchild we hope that these will be some lessons that you can can chew on and then um, build upon and pass on to the next generation does that sound like a good idea everybody yeah so dad let's see what do you got <clears throat> well it is imperative that you and I understand that uh, what Pastor Jeremy said a little bit ago about you know how quickly these last 20 years have flown by. It will be that way. Uh, as as a uh, uh, a pawpaw, there are times I'll be in a grocery store and and uh, see some dad or mom and they're wrestling with their kid and that kid is acting like a like a kid. Kids in Kansas act kind of crazy sometimes. I know in Texas they don't, but in Kansas they do. And, and there have been times that I've, I've just said to some harried mother, uh, hey, you know what, I'm a pawpaw and, and I, I know how quickly these, these days go past. I mean, you just blink twice and, and they'll be grown and gone. And one time a lady said, really? And she looked at her kids and went, It's good to know that the jokes have not gotten any better in 20 years. 
and it didn't work, obviously, and, and yeah. So it, it's imperative that we understand the figures of speech, but also the reality of life. It will go fast. So if you want to be in a certain place 20 years from now, and you're on a path already, what are the imperatives that you need to embrace? And so the first, if you don't get this first thing right, then all of the rest is, is not going to work. Embrace a lasting source of personal identity. Embrace a lasting source for personal identity. Jeremy already mentioned it, but as of today, I have been married to the same woman 481 months. That 40 years and 30 days exactly today. And I am thankful that in a lot of places in America, I am known as Karen's husband. I am known in more places as Jeremy's dad or as Jared's dad or as Lacey's dad. And I'm becoming known as Graham and Sage Papa. And so there's a lot of things that identify me. I can also be identified as I'm the youngest son of Billy Joe and Carol Jean. I am registered to vote with a certain party. I can identify myself that way. I'm obviously a man. I'm not a woman. And so I identify myself as a, as a man. All of these things are important, but in the culture you and I live in, we live in a culture that is, is hanging its hat or setting its future, embracing identities that are just not strong enough to carry us through into eternity and into a place that we will be glad we arrived at it instead of really regretting that we arrived at it. So the scripture addresses this in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 through 28. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. And it's important to see through faith because believing that I'm a child of God is sometimes, is sometimes difficult when I don't see things always go the way I wanted them to see. I got to celebrate with one of my friends uh, just this morning in between services that a couple weeks ago we prayed because there was a, a large tumor found in the brain and then another report came back that there was a, a second tumor and she got uh, news just this weekend that that tumor is benign the other tumor doesn't even exist praise God Jackie praise God uh, and, and, but you know what there's times where we can go through those messes and it, and it doesn't become benign Right. Or it doesn't disappear, or there is issues, and we have to remember through faith and believing in what we can't see that we are we, we, we are children of God. He cares about us. We're not just these specks of of some kind of protoplasm with with, with muscular cells and and, and organs and, and and just kind of making our way through life. We have a purpose and a soul and and a future and. We're all of you were baptized into Christ, just like our baptism candidates this morning. They're baptized into Christ, and they're part of the community of faith with, with the body of Christ. And we have clothed ourselves with Christ in a day and age in a culture that wants to clothe ourselves with the next best belief or a certain political preference or uh, the, the next social justice um, key element that, that we get behind for three minutes and then it's not hot on Facebook anymore and so we're just we move on and we get this multiple personality disorder the scripture goes on to say so because of all this there's neither Jew nor Gentile neither slave nor free nor is there male and female those are all categories but really we're all one in what Christ Christ Jesus yeah Notice that there's, there's a sense of national identity, and I'm, I'm a flag waver, I'm an American, I'm glad for all of that, but if we're going to embrace an identity that will last, we need to understand, again, I appreciate it, don't hear me wrong, I am thrilled and thankful to be an American citizen, but... That's not enough to get me through. I'm a Christian who happens to be an American. I'm not an American that happens to be a Christian. So Jew and Gentile. That's good. Jew and Gentile is this sense of, of nationality, this sense of, of national pride. And Paul says, if you're in Jesus, that, that goes away. It's not that we don't recognize our heritage, but it's we don't bank 
on our heritage. We're, we're going somewhere. So we're not banking on our nationalism, Jew, Gentile, male, female. This culture is so confused. And, you know, if, if, I, if I want to be a biscuit, I can just simply self-identify as a biscuit, and now I'm a biscuit. We have I, a guy named Biscuit in our church. So that's cool. I love you, man. I love you, man. So, all right, note to self. Uh, <laughs> Hey, this is East Texas. We got biscuits. We got Bubba. We got you name it. We got we got them. Bless God. So, gender issues. Paul says, yeah, we we know that it exists, but that's not the deal. The and slave it's also free. a genuine struggle for people because there is something in all of us that want to understand who we are. Yeah, our identity. And so that's why, that's why Jesus gives us the scriptures, so that we don't have to walk in a dark room by ourselves, but he illuminates the path with his word. It's a light to my path, a lamp unto my feet. And so the, the identity struggles with all of us, no matter what they are, and you, you mentioned slave or free, that's like the, the economic thing right. or your job or whatever, how we find identity in social status, you name it. Uh, all those things are critically important to know that if we don't come back to the baseline of it's not even, it, I surrender to everything being clothed in Jesus first. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. If Jesus is the center of my life, or if I am the center of my life, it makes all the difference in the world. Who am I in Jesus? And if you and I want to land 20 years from now in a place that is healthy, in a place you will look back and say, boy, I am really glad that I made these kind of choices. It starts with embracing this, this identity of, of who I am in Jesus. Yeah. The reason that's number one, we talked about this because we, you kind of came up with like 25 things and, and we <laughs> said, well, you know, we, we, let's boil it down to five. Yeah. And, and there was so, we could spend every single one of the 25 were so powerful, but we started with this personal identity because if you don't know who you are, how can you even know where you're going, where you're headed, where you want to end up if you don't understand who you are and whose uh, you yeah. are? All right, next one. Yeah. So the next one, forgiveness propels Bitterness stalls. Forgiveness propels. Bitterness stalls. There's a passage in Matthew chapter 28. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against... This is... The, say the word sins. Sins. This is not a lightweight term. He's saying, so they really do something that is tough. They've sinned against me how many times do I forgive them seven times he really wants to be magnanimous he wants to be the pupil that shines in front of the teacher shall I forgive them seven times because this joker over here will only do it four you know like <laughs> he's competing with the other disciples and Jesus says no 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 not seven times knucklehead but 77 times there is an action, there is a process, there is, and forgiveness is one of those key elements that we talk about almost every single year at Timber Creek Church. You know why? Because there are so many people that get stalled out. And before you get bitter, just trust me, if, if you don't continue to move forward through forgiveness, if you stay idle, bitterness attaches itself to you. It's a it's, a, it's an equation that just, it takes place. And before you know it, you've spent the next five years wanting to talk to that relative, wanting to make amends with someone, but yet the bitterness is, has stalled you out. And the, the, you said it in, in our first service, like people have genuinely been hurt. The, the uncle that hurt you, the business partner that hurt you, um, forgiving them doesn't say, hey, it's okay that you hurt me. It's not okay. Right. What happened to you, how you were hurt, how you were violated, how you were uh, double-crossed, it's not okay. Mm -hmm. And forgiveness isn't saying it's okay. What is, what is forgiveness really doing? When I forgive, it acknowledges that 
you, who I'm forgiving, you don't have the capacity to heal my hurt that you caused. I release you of your responsibility to heal the hurt that you caused. Listen to me. It is a gift to myself when I cut loose and say, you can't fix me, but I know someone who can fix me. That's good. That's good. Here, here's something else that if I embrace bitterness instead of forgiveness, bitterness, this, this hurt, whatever it is, if I don't forgive, it becomes that big thing in my life. 30 years later, still talking about how that guy stole my girl and I've had this wretched run. You know, there's just not any good women. Here I am with my 19th wife. There's just not a, whatever, whatever the case, I can look back and that issue that I won't forgive becomes the big thing. And my life orbits around it. If you have, a, if you have a, a unforgiveness issue, look, I'm not really smart, but I do know this. The sun is the center of the solar system because its great gravitational pull keeps Mars and Venus and Earth and, and all, yeah, those, yeah, those things called planets. It keeps them going round and round and round. Why? Because it's the gravitational pull. Unforgiveness creates this large gravitational object in the center of my life, and instead of going forward, I just keep circling around wow. the your life is more valuable than that yeah. and if you want to go somewhere embrace that mm. that principle that forgiveness propels yeah bitterness stalls well we see it with peter and jesus jesus is saying basically this forgiveness is more than a moment yeah he goes seven times no 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 no, no 77 times forgiveness is more than a moment it's a mindset like, because like, there's going to be days you've forgiven, but you wake up and you're hot about it again. Right. And, and it's, it's a mindset. You are, your, your, your identity is in who Christ is, who Christ has created you, and you are going to propel forward because you're going to forgive yet again. And, and, and don't get this wrong. It's not, like, it's not like Peter now can go back and say, oh, 73, four more times and I get to shoot this guy. Like, <laughs> get the shotgun, like, like it's, it's. But, but I will tell you, the more once you get to sixty-eight and sixty-nine and seventy and seventy-four, it, it's amazing how it becomes a pattern for the path that you're on. Right. Forgiveness propels, bitterness yeah. stalls. Yeah. Good. Let's go to number yeah. three. Celebrating people produces better life results than criticizing people. Can I get an amen on that one? Like. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. All right. We need some more Tiggers than we do Eeyores. It's okay? all going to be People bad. that can know how to celebrate people and not criticize. Criticism. 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 It's snaky. It's sneaky. It's a national pastime. Well, that's for sure. You, you can just, peep, you can find, you don't have to search hard to find someone who's going to be critical of something and criticism is just it, 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 it does not produce the kind of life results we want celebrating is the key yeah I want to I want to celebrate what others are doing listen it's it's a choice to decide I'm not looking for did any of you ever read that like I don't think it was the National Enquirer it was um, oh yeah it was the Bible where Jesus said <laughs> where Jesus said uh, don't try to take the two before plank that's sticking out of your brother's eye. Don't try to fix his eye, or wait, don't take the speck out of his eye while there's a two before plank sticking out of yours. There's something medicinal about choosing to be a celebrating person. Like, for instance, when we celebrate people, go ahead. It, it helps me be free from jealousy. When I choose to celebrate that you got that really good raise, if I choose to celebrate from my heart, I, listen, some people say fake it till you make it. There is something to be said for acting my way into a new way of feeling. You will never feel your way into a new way of acting. Uh, say that again. 
if you can. <laughs> oh, it was the anointing. It's gone. It's just gone. Holy Spirit, bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> Younger me, hush for a second. Let me get that back. I'm trying to get it back. <laughs> you can act your way into a new way of feeling, but you'll never feel your way into a new Come way on. of acting. Be somebody better have written that. Down. Help me. If I celebrate that someone got that really cool look house and I'm still living where I'm living, but I'm rejoicing because I see good. The Bible said, the Bible said to weep with those who weep, but to rejoice with those who rejoice. I find it easier for me to weep when you're hurting, but when you get that nice house or a better car or the stinking rays or the good looking girl, mm. future me, we did it. Come on, baby. <laughs> That's weird. Because he's not me, he's my dad and mom and my wife. Anyway, just Okay, just yes, yes. <laughs> work with us here. But it helps me stay free from jealousy. What and else? It makes, and it makes me more fun. Come on. If you, if like, when, when I'm with people and some subject comes up and the first thing they want to do is point out the negative, it's like, I'm, I'm looking for the exit. Yeah. Am I the only one like that? And so, you know, don't point at your neighbor and don't point at yourself. But, but if I choose to celebrate people, you're just more fun to be around. Jesus talked about us being like the salt of the earth. It's for us to live in, Paul said, a fragrance of life. I've been around people when they start criticism, it's, it's like, man, who? It smells bad. Yeah. You don't want to be around it. Yeah. Another yeah. thing of celebrating people puts people at ease around me and removes a sense of competition that there's not this trying to one-up one another or tell the bigger story or make sure that we're in competition with one another in looks or um, Valentine's Day. I mean, hello, Facebook is like, oh, my husband bought me this huge bear that I'm not going to do anything with. You know those huge bears? Like, Lord, I'll, if you want one, babe, I'll get you one. But, <laughs> But... Just don't get her a vacuum cleaner. Listen, fellas, listen. If it has a plug in it, it's not a romantic gift. That's, that's a good point. Go not this way. Therein lies destruction. <laughs> I, I know of whence I speak. You know what? Something um, that uh, on occasion I'll see some of the younger kids in our, in our kid works or in youth, and I just put a hand on their shoulder. I yeah. say, man, I see greatness in you. I hope you're on our staff someday. And I just want to celebrate just that moment. Just say, man, I, I could just, you're a champion. You, you can do this. I believe in you. And, 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 I, and I want this church to be thinking that way for the next generation that we would celebrate. There's plenty of things you can criticize. Let someone else do that. Let, let's be a church earmarked for our celebrating of people. It, it gets a little awkward if they're too young, but, but, but I, uh, on occasion when I will uh, check into a hotel or I'll be in Walmart just walking down and, and someone's helping me, and, and they're, if, they're, if they're at least 25 years older than me and it's a woman, I'll say, hey, beautiful, how are you? Now, if they're like, you know, 19, then it gets really bad. Don't ever right. do that. No, not a good idea. But uh, there was a, this, a lady that had um, kind of a scowl on her face, and I was walking. She was a housekeeper at a hotel. I was at a conference, and she was walking this way, and I was walking this way. And I said, good morning, beautiful. It's going to be a great day. And she stopped and said, you're the first person that's talked to me today. All of a sudden, she just, she just, just brightened up. Is she probably in the job of her dreams that 20 years ago she said, if I can just clean this Hampton Inn? No. But just celebrating people helps them along their own journey right. as well. All right. right. Let's keep going. Number hey, four. Before we say oh, that, oh, may oh, I oh, just okay. say this? This is not saying that there's never a place for correction. Mm. Of course there are times for correction. But if we will choose to celebrate the good first, raising kids, if I work harder and I didn't do as well as I wish I had, but Jeremy and Jared and Lacey all turned out pretty good, Karen and I really tried hard to catch them doing well. Just come around the corner, they're doing something nice. He wasn't, didn't have his sister down on the ground and letting a string of spit come and suck it back up before it got to. That was one of his favorite things to do. If you'd like to see how that's done, I'll meet you out in the lobby later. Oh. I, can do it. I can still do it. 
So yeah, there were times I had, I had to, to eat like an Altoid first to kind of thicken everything up, but I'll, I'll show so you. So I had to correct some things, but walk around the corner and they're treating each other nice. I say, hold it, stop it. I saw what you just did. You were treating each other with respect. I'm so proud of you guys. If we catch people doing well, if we celebrate. You know what? We need to do a celebration challenge. And you know what? This might be especially hard for those of you in Die Ball or in Duncan. But, but, but you know, because there's this, uh, there's this persona. You got to protect yourself. There's sure. a, nobody's going to care about you, about you but you. But you know what? What if you could change the environment on your cell block right. of celebrating other people. And you know what, what if parents, what if you took a, 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 a celebrate 10 challenge today and you found 10 things to celebrate about your kids every day for the next seven days? Yeah. What, how do you feel like that would change the atmosphere of your home? Right. Oh, you know what, you, I, I, you, you, you got ready on time today, thank you. I wanna celebrate that. Yeah. Hey, you. You, man, you, you got to 500 kills on Fortnite. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, yeah. yeah. Moving right along. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Moving on. All right. Now, set this one up. Number four. Catch the little Are you guys getting foxes. anything out of this today? Okay. All right. All right. Good. Catch the little foxes. This is a phrase that uh, comes out of the Song of Solomon. And it's, here's a Bible lesson. Here's interpreting the Bible. When you read a passage, think first, what did this mean to its original audience? Don't apply it first, but interpret it first. What does this mean? People look at the Song of Solomon, and uh, if you've not read the Song of Solomon, um, you are in for a treat. It is, it is written as a love letter. It's it's a description. If it were if it were made in a movie, it would be R-rated. It because it is sensuous and God inspired that that book. And so it's about this man and woman, and they are hot, crazy in love with each other, and they're saying things back and forth. They're talking and singing, and then they've got their friends that are adding in. Their friends in the midst of this amazing relational exchange their friends make this statement in chapter 2 verse 15 catch for us the foxes the little foxes that ruin the vineyards our vineyards that are in bloom we see that there's uh, potential in the vineyard that, that that's blooming that there's going to be fruit and you've got to catch the little foxes or it'll be trampled, it'll be eaten. It, before you know it, you won't be able to bring in the harvest. And what's crazy about the little foxes is you can have the tall stalks of corn and you don't even see the foxes. Like if it would say, catch us the elephants, the mighty gray elephants, mm. that'd be easy to see, be easy to identify. Oh, the elephants are coming. You can hear them. <laughs> Whatever, I don't know. But, but like, but, but the little foxes. Yeah. You got to you got to get on your hands and your knees. You got to be crafty. You got because they're 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 crafty too. They can sneak in when you don't even realize them. And 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 really, small foxes or little foxes are like small compromises. Yeah. And here's the truth about small compromises: small compromises will eventually lead to catastrophic consequences. Little decisions are big decisions in disguise. It's why we teach our children young to tell the truth. Teach our children young. Let, let's let's uh, honor one another and respect each other. Uh, this is this is theirs. This is not no no no. It's not it's not yours. This is not mine. This is this is, we're sharing. Why? Because little compromises become big compromises, become catastrophic consequences in our lives. And so here is just some of those small compromises as we've been talking. Many we can't identify all the little foxes, but here's one: caring more about my image than my character. Yeah. Caring more about how I, I look to people and the image I give on a Sunday morning or on Facebook or at the work. And I, I can put the face on. I can put the presentation together. I, 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 can, I can figure it out and have an image. And I focus so much about making sure people don't see the real me that I really don't ever work on the real me. And then eventually people will see the real me and they'll realize I've lacked in character development. Yeah. You know, that's why we do a lot of the things we do here um, we're helping you on a journey, but there's character development happening in our groups. 
in our small groups. You can go to the Timber Creek app and you can search different groups. Uh, there's Grow Track and there's Starting Point and there's Encounter and there's uh, uh, dozens and dozens of other groups that are age-related and study-related and social-related around fun things. But the whole idea of that is that iron would sharpen iron, that we would spur each other on to good works, that we would develop in our character whether we're seven or 70 because we're all still growing. And that can become a little bitty thing if we never evaluate our character over time. We'll become exactly who we're becoming if we don't evaluate that. Another one would be careless words. The book of Proverbs says it like this. Words kill. Words give life. They are either poison or fruit. Say it with me. You, you choose. choose. Come on, say it again, die ball. You choose. You choose your words. They're either poisonous to people or they're fruitful. It's the whole celebrating or criticizing. Be the person that is life-giving in your words. Husbands and wives, careful with the words. I, I, I can be the chief sinner. A careless word over time can produce catastrophic consequences. You know what else? Unchecked thoughts. You know, people that are in a place where they never wanted to be, probably didn't wake up saying, I really would want to be in a place I don't want to be. Right. But over time, because of unchecked thoughts that created um, the way I thought, made the way I feel, by the way I feel, made the way that I acted. And because the way I thought affected the way I felt, affected the way I acted, I end up having consequences to those things if I leave my thoughts unchecked. Just a response to the, to the coworker that, uh, that may have crossed the line a little bit. That was a little suggestive, but you're just being you. Um, that's an unchecked moment mm -hmm. and careless word and unchecked thought. And, and you know what? Just when you get heated up in a marriage argument and you, you, you start just easily saying things like, well, maybe we should just call it quits. Maybe we should just divorce. Well, maybe we should just quit. Well, man, you know, maybe it's just over. Unchecked thoughts and careless words over time will create your future. That's right. You're, you are speaking your future right. into existence. Yeah. Careful with the little foxes. And that's why Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, remember early in the series, the uh, foundation, the house mm -hmm. built on the sand, the house built on the rock, part of the foundation of that whole sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, is the way we think. Jesus says, you've heard it said that uh, if you commit adultery, there's a consequence. But he said, if you even look on a woman with lustful thoughts, it starts in the mind. I, as a superintendent, from time to time, thank God it's not very often, but occasionally a minister will have a moral failure. And we have to deal with that and try to restore them and try to get them back to a place. Whether they ever preach again or not is not the point. Will they live the rest of their life serving, serving Jesus and not, not mess up everything? Sometimes people have said things to me like, I, I don't know what happened. I, I, I don't know how we got there. You mean you checked in as Mr. and Mrs. Smith and you're standing there looking at each other in front of the queen size bed and all of a sudden your clothes just fell off? You, you don't know how you got there? <laughs> yes, you know how you got there. Unchecked thoughts. Keeping it Un real. Keeping it real in the Kansas district. <laughs> Unchecked <laughs> thoughts become catastrophic consequences. I know we need to move on. It's okay. It's good. All right, finally, number five, guilt is a gift from God. Shame is from the enemy. I know that sounds counterintuitive. Guilt, there has been generations raised up on the idea that we should get away from the idea of guilt. Guilt is a good thing. Guilt is from God. Here's what guilt is. Guilt says, I am responsible for the mess I made. I'm guilty. I did it. Shame says, because I did it, I am unworthy of anything good ever happening in my life. I made bad choices, therefore I am a bad person. Jesus didn't think so. While we were yet sinners, while we were in the act of throwing it away, Guilty. while we had a needle stuck in our arm, while we were whatever, name the sin, while we were sinners, Jesus died for us. So that says you're valuable. Guilt says... I did it. I own it. Shame says, I can't, I can't even look at God. You see that in the garden. I mean, this is, a, this yeah. is not a new thing. In the garden of Eden, 
they, they sin against God and they feel that guilt. But the guilt turns into shame when they feel like they have to hide from God. He's in the garden. He didn't, he didn't from heaven say, you idiots. He didn't from heaven say, I'm closing down the whole thing. How could you do this? No, the, the Bible says he actually was going after them, walking towards them. Where are you? And what our, does, our shame does, our shame makes us want to hide from God. Like we're not worthy for God to pull us out. And yeah, we're naked. And yeah, we're vulnerable. And yeah, we're guilty. But just like that woman that was caught in the act of adultery thrown in front of Jesus and the accusers gather around they say law Moses says stoner what do you say and Jesus takes his time and he says hey if you don't have sin throw you know, go throw throw and the Bible's so so interesting because it says one by one from the oldest to the youngest in other words live long enough you're gonna sin and fall short one by one, they had to drop their stones, and there the woman is, and he says, woman, where are your accusers? Almost as if she couldn't even, she couldn't even face. She may have been guilty, but it was her shame that couldn't even lift her head up. Right. She looks up, and she goes, where are they? She was waiting for the stones, and he, she goes, they're nowhere, they're gone. He says, neither do I condemn you, but there's an important part there. Yeah. I don't condemn you, and we would love to live there because that's what a beautiful moment of grace. I don't condemn you either. But then he also says, but now go and live a life free from sin. Like, go and now change pattern. What you did, you're guilty of. Go and leave this life of sin and start fresh. And that is the gift that Jesus gives to an unnamed woman. It's the same gift he gives to you and to me and to you and to, yeah. to us. Yeah. yeah. So we end with a, a warning and an encouragement that <clears throat> what I don't address and correct will persist. Time doesn't heal everything. It won't just go away. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. You are, I am in a beautiful place. God loves us. If God had a refrigerator, your photograph would be on his refrigerator. He's crazy about us. He doesn't want heaven without us. But if we don't address the issues, you and I are on a path. We're going somewhere. The principle of the path is applying itself to us. If I don't address it and correct it, it will persist. And nobody ever drifts into greatness you really want to end in a place of satisfaction, a place of thank you, Jesus. Yeah. We are where we are. doesn't mean that trouble won't come. doesn't mean that rain won't pour. It rains on the just and the unjust. Right. But as we live our life, we're not living with these regrets. Oh, why didn't I? Why couldn't I? Why wouldn't I? But we say, thank you, Jesus, that you helped me see what I couldn't see on my own, and you helped me follow you. That's the warning. You don't correct it. It'll take you a place you don't want to go. But here's the good news. Here's the encouragement. Here's, here's the, 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 the foundational piece that we can live on knowing the kind of God that we serve. And if you're not serving him, you can today. You don't have to go back and fix things because you can. In fact, C.S. Lewis is who said it this way. He said, you cannot go back and change the beginning. But you can start where you are and change the ending. And I know that many of us wish we would have caught the little foxes sooner. Many of us wish we wouldn't have spent so many wasted words or unchecked thoughts. That it wouldn't have taken us so long to embrace the right source for the true identity. But you know what? Jesus meets you right where you are. He looks beyond what you've done. He looks beyond where you've been. He sees who you are. And he sees even beyond who you are to who you can become. It's, a, it's all throughout the Word of God. So today, what I invite you to do, right there in Duncan and in Dieball and here at the Lufkin location, would you just stand with me? Stay where you are, but stand right where you are. With your eyes closed and your heads bowed, 
we're doing business with God. I'm just facilitating a God moment in your life. This isn't a Jeremy and you moment. This is a God and you moment. But if you're here and you realize that there's been an area that I want to course correct and lean into the character of God, lean into Jesus because there's some elements in my life that are counter to what Jesus would have of me. I acknowledge it today and I'm ready to change the ending. I'm ready to change the directions on this. If that's you, would you just with, with, with conviction in your heart but with determination that God's ready to meet where you, where you are, would you just put a hand straight up in the air, all locations? Yeah, yes, yeah, me too. Me too. There's no one exempt from little foxes, everybody. There's no one exempt from, from having said a critical thing instead of a celebrating thing. There's nobody exempt from those careless words. Lord, we thank you that you meet us right where we are. Would you guide us to what's next? Lead us to what's next. You know, my dad is a pastor over 150 uh, churches in the state of Kansas. He serves as, as their their pastor he's been my dad but he's also a pastoral example to me too and, and to this church um, my mom and dad they pray over this church uh, every week and uh, we feel it and we thank them for it but dad um, would you just would you just say a prayer from from your heart as a pastor um, as my elder um, would you just would you just say a prayer over this congregation Dieball and Duncan over what's next. Jesus, um, we come with hearts saying thank you that you love us where we stand. With grime and grit dripping off of our fingers, guilty as guilty can be, we come saying thank you for picking us up in this moment and being willing to transform us, getting us on the right path. Lord, I thank you for those who have been on the right path and they want to accelerate and do all they can for you and those who are just considering getting on the path lord help us we submit to you we open our ears to your voice we will listen as you say you love us too much to let us die in our sin you love us enough to pick us up to give us hope by letting us have faith in you so lord in this room the correctional facilities, for anyone watching online, Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do. We can't do anything to fix lives. We can't, we can't even change ourselves, let alone fix somebody else, but you can fix us. You can set us in a right path. You can pull us out of the orbit of our unforgiveness and set us on a path that is straight and true and produces life-giving fruit for us and for others that will watch our lives. So God, we commit our heart to you. Help us have courage to make right decisions, to say yes to the right thing, and to say no to sin. We commit our lives, our hearts, our minds to you. Thank you for hearing us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us hope by your power in Jesus' name.